Michigan State University's Department of Psychiatry is launching a pilot program with a $15 million grant from the state of Michigan to help curb acts of violence and spare families from unthinkable trauma before it's too late. The Center for Targeted Violence Prevention is a collaborative program between the MSU Department of Psychiatry, which is a shared department in the Colleges of Osteopathic Medicine and Human Medicine at MSU, and the National Policing Institute, or NPI. Dr. Elise Felino-Lai. I'm a trained child and adolescent psychiatrist. Um, I trained at Michigan State, uh, undergrad and um, medical school and residency, just as an aside, some big alumni. Um, I am the Associate Chair of Education in the MSU Department of Psychiatry. Um, and most recently took over. Um, Frank and I have a partnership, as, and I'm the co-director of the Adolescent Targeted Violence Prevention Project. So I'm uh, Frank Stroud. Uh, I'm the co-director, as Elise said. I'm also an adjunct professor in the Department of Psychiatry um, here at MSU, um, and I'm also, um, in relation to the project, the Senior Director of Violence Prevention Research and Programs at an organization called Safe and Sound Schools, <clears throat> which was started um, by one of the parents of um, a little girl, Josephine, um, who lost her life at Sandy Hook um, and Michelle Gay after um, the Sandy Hook um, shooting created Safe and Sound Schools. So talk about sort of how you two came together and why you're both passionate about this work. Frank and I basically share a, a mentor. Um, the mentor's name is Dr. Frank Ockberg, who is a professor um, as well um, at Michigan State University. And he is the national, international expert on trauma and trauma injury. Um, and he was one of my professors. And years, several years ago, probably more than five now, I was practicing as a child psychiatrist, um, treating lots of individuals who had trauma-related disorders. Um, and then acts of mass violence started to increase. Um, and it was an area that we um, were working on um, as an aside. And then um, the Marjorie Stoneman Douglas Parkland um, attack occurred. At that time, Frank Ockberg put me in touch with Frank Straub um, and we started working together. At first, I was an advisor with the National Policing Institute um, and doing after incident um, event analyses. Um, um, I also worked with Frank Ockberg on doing a few others, Route 91 in Las Vegas. Um, and then Frank and I have formed a partnership since then. I'll let him fill you in a little bit on his background so then you can see how we came together and developed this project. So I had spent 30 years in federal, state, and local law enforcement, much of which was in the counterterrorism um, space. And after I left, I joined an organization called the National Policing Institute. And that was in 2015. Um, the San Bernardino terrorist attack had just happened about two weeks, three weeks before I joined. And so one of my first projects was to do an after-action review of the San Bernardino terrorist um, attack. 
And then from there, we ended up doing several reviews of mass violence events. We did the um, mass shooting in Kalamazoo, Michigan. We did the Pulse nightclub um, shooting. And then, as Elise said, um, when Marjorie Stoneman Douglas happened, um, I knew Frank Ockberg through a mutual friend and <clears throat> had asked him um, for a recommendation as to who might be able to join our team. And that's where Elise and I met. Um, in addition to the after action reviews, I also established in 2016 uh, a national database that tracks both averted and completed school attacks. Um, for many years, up until actually 2022, it was funded by the Department of Justice. And um, we have about 400 incidents in the database. Um, the vast majority are averted, thank God. Um, but we've done a number of published reports on that. And um, now that I'm leaving the Policing Institute and joining Safe and Sound in this project, we'll be bringing um, the Averted School Violence Database with us to this project because we believe that learning the lessons from both averted attacks and completed attacks is really critical to informing um, the, the development of our project, the implementation of that project, uh, particularly when we look at the averted cases, um, because there, there really is a lot of rich data there in terms of um, the persons that are that planned an attack, um, and they, they survive. Um, you know, unfortunately, depending, I guess, on your perspective, most people that commit an attack um, are either killed by the police or commit suicide, although we are seeing more and more people that are, I would say, purposely staying alive. But certainly with averted attackers, um, even if they are arrested, um, many of them go on and, and, and live successful lives, um, pro-social lives afterwards. And so we were fortunate with the ASV database is what we call it, um, to have had the opportunity to um, speak with individuals who had planned an attack and then for various reasons um, had not moved forward. So we think that that information and continuing to gather that body of knowledge um, will be very important for the project that we're, we're initiating. And what do you mean when you say averted case? So um, <clears throat> the, the target has to be a school um, or the persons in the school. And at some point that is stopped. So whether um, somebody discovers it online, um, about 90% of school shootings that don't happen are reported by peers. So other students, um, sometimes teachers, sometimes parents, but most often it is fellow students who see online activity, maybe see um, a notebook, a journal, maybe the, the potential shooter makes a statement to somebody, and then they report it. Um, and, and that's critically important is to um, recognize somebody planning an attack and talking about planning attack as a true emergency and one that demands immediate action. And so when we look at the, the averted attacks that we have in our database, as I said, about 90% of those are reported by bystanders. And, and that then leads to law enforcement action or school administrative action or parental action. I talk a bit about the Adolescent Targeted Violence Prevention Project. Sort of how does the idea start? 
where are you now kind of describe the mission and, and what you do, what you want people to know about it? So it all started from from what, what Frank is talking about in putting together experts in law enforcement, in education, and in mental health. Um, a group of us gathered together and said, what can we do? What happens to these individuals? How do they get the help that they need? And what we found was they didn't. Um, that after something was discovered, after it was discovered that someone was planning an attack, then what? And the schools would ask the questions, law enforcement and mental health. How do we continue to monitor these individuals? But not only that, if we're talking about children and adolescents, their brains are still developing. We have a chance there to change the trajectory of their lives. And if we have that ability, we should do something about it. So we believe um, that we can do that, that we can change the trajectory of children's lives, children and adolescents, by showing a different path, by mentorship. There's lots of research regarding mentorship, um, how having one positive adult in a child or adolescent's life can indeed, um, you know, promote positive outcomes in that individual's lives. So what we have done is we developed the Adolescent Targeted Violence Prevention Project with the hub at Michigan State University. And we were asked um, by the Michigan Department of Education and funded by them to put five regional teams throughout the state of Michigan. Those regional teams, which we call intensive support teams, will contain a mentor and a case manager. From there, we will develop for these individuals who have been identified either through behavioral threat assessment teams in the school systems, through emergency rooms, through mental health agencies, through law enforcement, they'll be referred to us, we'll, put, we'll do an assessment, we will develop individualized care plans, and we will ensure that those individualized care plans are indeed administered and the services and resources that the, the individual and their family need are given to them within their own community. So this is really a community collaborative project. We'll also be doing, you know, uh, community trainings and outreach um, and educational type seminars, those kind of things. And that I'll add to. So one of the critical areas that we think um, is important for training is primary care physicians and associated medical providers, because really what we want to do is increase, if you will, individuals who can identify as early as possible an adolescent who is going down a path that is potentially leading them to engage in violence. And so whether it's a teacher, it's their parent, it's their primary care doctor, it's a nurse practitioner, somebody who's doing some screening as part of the normal course of, of their, their business and their interactions, if they can identify behaviors um, and warning signs, that gives us the opportunity, potentially, all of us, right, not just this project, but all of us, to intervene and, and change the life, director, life trajectory of um, these, these young men and women. And we're trying to change the thought about homicidal and suicidal ideation, knowing that they're leading causes of death in the um, young adult adolescent population. Trained as a physician, um, I have always said that it, these are medical emergencies and should be treated. If a child says to you, I don't want to live anymore, or an adolescent, that's the same thing as them saying, I can't breathe. This is a medical emergency. And so we're trying to spread the word that these need to be treated, suicidal ideation, homicidal ideation with an intent or plan. 
need to be treated as we would any other medical condition. You probably want input from anyone and everyone, right, that can help you do this? Or what kind of involvement are you looking for from the public? Or are you doing your, you know, doing your own thing? Or is there, there a question in there somewhere? I guess, do you want people to contact you? And Yeah, so we're in the process now of um, creating a website, um, an email address, um, a telephone number, all of which we'll, we'll put out. Um, across the state of Michigan so that individuals um, have the ability to reach out to us and ask for help. Um, they will then, the student would then go through a, screen, a screening process. Um, obviously, we'll need, um, because most of them will be minors, um, guardian or parental consent, and we would want their involvement as well um, because just dealing with a child absent the caregiver um, is is ineffective. And so we will be taking a very holistic approach and looking at all of the individuals that affect this, this child's life, this adolescent's life, um, and trying to give all of them the support to create a healthy environment and a healthy, um, you know, future for, for the, the clients in the program. Now I get it. Yeah, I get it. Now that's kind of what I was asking. You almost need everyone Right. who can see them to report when necessary. And it takes a village as Hillary yes. Clinton once said, right? I was just going right? to say that. Yep, yep. absolutely. Yep. Just, you yep. must be both so pleased. And I think we've mentioned this a little bit, at least because you, you kind of said it, that we consider mental health part of our health now is a major advancement. I think COVID kickstarted it, but isn't that just gratifying that we're looking more at our mental health holistically too now? Yes, we're making strides. You know, we really are. In community, you brought up community buy-in. Community buy-in is vital, right? Um, certainly, Frank and I can't fix this alone. So we need the community support. We need the support of Michigan. We have the support um, of the governor um, and other entities. But in the community, really, it's it's vital that we have buy-in from all the entities, mental health, the, the school system, and law enforcement in order to make this work. And that's really what's different about our project than other projects. Yeah. How do you balance right to privacy and schools community support? Initially, this program will be um, on a voluntary basis, right? Um, and and we, we think that'll work um, because the need for services and for families, I mean, families are desperate as our school systems, as are our individuals working in the emergency department, as are our law enforcement. We really think that everybody working together, we're going to get much better results than staying siloed in each, um, each entity trying to handle this alone. What we really think we need is a community approach. And our, and our goal at the end of the day is to try to keep these individuals out of the juvenile and criminal justice system. That's that's the goal. So if I was a parent and had concerns about my child and didn't want them to be arrested or didn't want them to continue through the criminal justice system, um, I, I would think that this would be a program um, that I would be very interested in um, supporting and involving my child in. We, we also think that it, it may provide um, what's commonly referred to as off-ramps. So even for those individuals who may be arrested because they brought a gun to school, um, this may create an opportunity under judicial supervision um, to provide an alternative to incarceration. 
um, maybe at that point we're gonna we would be working hand in hand with a probation officer or a parole officer or a community corrections person. The big thing again, right, is I think too often programs are focused on the one person. And so we always talk about silos, everybody doing their own thing. But when we treat people, we tend to treat them as individuals. We don't treat them holistically. And we think that that's an essential piece of this is that we want to be able, if there's a mental health challenge, to to engage the appropriate people with that. But it could be a medical situation. It could be that the family's living in poverty or there's a substance abuse issue in the family or there's a mental health issue with a caregiver, not necessarily the client that's come to our attention, but somebody else that's part of that critical echo system, we want to be able to connect them to services also. So that again, the whole community, that that village approach is coming into, into bearing, but also we're not looking at these individuals in isolation. And so if we're not dealing with the whole family structure, we're not necessarily setting that individual up for success. It sounds like with some of your comments, are you not quite up and running yet? Or like you said, the website is coming. What sort of, where is it all at right now? This is a five-year project. Um, we received the um, notification of the allocation in um, October. So we're building the project now. Our goal is to do something different. Um, our goal is to try and prevent these acts and address them when the individual is young, when we have the opportunity um, to have really positive outcomes. Um, and we think by doing that, we're going to prevent some of these acts and hopefully save lives. We really believe that this has the potential to become not only a Michigan model, but a national model. And we're very fortunate because the appropriation asked for a third, a third party evaluation. And we were actually approached by um, Harvard University's Chan School of Public Health asking if they could do the evaluation because they believe that this has implications um, not only in Michigan, but across the country and potentially even in Canada. Um, and so, again, we want to be as far, again, I, I hate to use cliche terms, but as far upstream as possible. We want to get these, these young men and women before they even enter systems, um, because then it's marks have been left, if you will, on their life, right there. And some things have to be undone. Some things are never going to be undone. But if we can raise community awareness, the goal would be in five or six or seven years that we don't need this program, that just like we've raised community awareness around cardiac arrest, and we've trained more and more people on CPR and how to use defibrillators and how to contact 911. We want to kind of introduce that same model to this, that when you, you see the symptoms of a stroke, you see the symptoms of a heart attack, you take action. Well, the same here. The earlier you take that action, the less damage that's done by systems involvement down the road. So we can take something that starts off maybe small, maybe it's suicidal ideation, not to say that that's small, but maybe it's very, you know, I want to kill myself, a statement like that. But if we take action the first time somebody makes a statement, then we don't have to worry about they just got into the medicine cabinet or where's my gun or where's whatever. We, we've given them help as 
as soon as they've asked for help or they've given us an indication that they need help. And it's the same with preventing school violence, that as soon as somebody's starting down that pathway, starting to have those thoughts, if we can intervene then, we can we believe we can really change their life trajectory. Is it appropriate to call this an MSU project or it just lives here? The MSU Department of Psychiatry received the allocation. Gotcha. Um, but part of the allocation is a partnership. And our partnership is with Safe and Sound Schools. Got you. And because you you mentioned the governor, she was very supportive, wasn't she? She was very supportive in this initiative. I think you're right, Frank. This could be a model at some point. It's great you're all doing this. So appreciate you talking about it today. On this episode of MSU Today, we've been talking about the Center for Targeted Violence Prevention and the Adolescent Targeted Violence Prevention Project at MSU. I'm Russ White, and this is MSU Today.